1: Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast that helps you understand how to increase the value of your business, what your company is worth, and what your exit options are. Host Ryan Tansom and his guests give you all the information you need to get clarity and control over your business and take pride in a valuable company that gives you freedom and choices to exit on your terms.
0: Welcome back and thanks for tuning in. This is episode 189. How to hire your replacement, build a more valuable business, and create the freedom of choices to do what you want with the company. If you have thought about what it would be like to replace yourself from the day-to-day, i.e. your role and not your ownership, and don't know where to start, then this episode is for sure for you. And this is whether you have a $1 million business or a $100 million business, and whether your goal is to have more freedom from the day-to-day or looking for ways to decouple yourself to eventually plan for an exit years down the road. It's a huge decision to find your successor and if done wrong, all the anxieties about the subject and horror stories you play in your head could come true. But if you do it right and take the time to learn what you need to do before you make any decisions, then true magic can happen. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. And not only for your personal life, but also for the business. You'll have a more valuable company that gives you the freedom to think. Think about that, the freedom to think and then plan your long-term strategies while also working in the places in the business that give you energy instead of being sucked into places that you don't like. Today on the podcast, I have Mike Frommelt, who is the founder and CEO of Keystone Surge. Mike has been featured in Gino Wickman's book, Rocket Fuel, because of his tenure helping companies hire their top-level executives and, more importantly, their replacement. This could be the title of president, GM, COO, visionary, integrator, as EOS refers to it. And Mike has performed over 12,000 interviews during his career and has seen it all. The one thing that Mike and his firm uniquely do compared to other search firms is they focus specifically on EOS-run companies as well as ESOPs because of their passion to align culture and the personality fit of the candidate with the owner. Their ability to match the culture and personality fit of the future executive and then over deliver on the technical skill sets that their candidates have allows their clients to accelerate their path towards more freedom from the company in the day to day while creating a more valuable business long term. Some of the things that you're going to learn and we're going to talk about in this episode today is where to start the journey when you're ready for a replacement from your day to day. How to determine whether you have your replacement internally or if you need to find someone from outside the company. How to separate your ownership, which is the ownership of a company and your company, from your day-to-day working role that you get paid a salary for. We're going to be talking about how to figure out how much visionary versus integrator skills your replacement needs to have. What qualities a president of a company should have in order to run your business whether you should be hiring from a company that is bigger than you in different industries, and then what kind of resume they should have in order to be a candidate, what the opportunity cost of replacing your role is, and then how to pay a president and different forms of compensation structures you should think about and then use to go recruit these presidents. And then what the process looks like to find, court, and onboard that present GM, visionary, integrator, whatever you want to call them. And then more importantly than almost all of those is how to discuss this process with your executive team so everybody gets on board. And one of the main reasons I like this episode is because the most important thing you can do to build a more valuable company that gives yourself more freedom and choices down the road is to find someone that replaces your day-to-day role and the company's reliance on you. And I'm not talking that you have to become irrelevant, that you have to go out to pasture and then everything is happening without you. It's just about decoupling the company's reliance on you So you can focus on the areas in the business that bring you energy and have more options to do what you want with the business long-term because you have created a more sustainable business with more transferable cash flow. The first step you need to take is to listen to this episode. And then the next step you need to take is to check out one of our two-day intentional growth boot camps that teaches you how to build a valuable company with the end in mind. And that is based in our five intentional growth principles using our two company case studies. It will demystify how companies are valued and how the money flows so that way you can set your financial targets down the road to grow value with the end in mind. You'll learn the five major exit options how they work and the implications of each, regardless of whether you sell just so that way you can understand and then reverse engineer into what you eventually want. You'll learn the eight functional areas of a business that increase the multiple and the value of a company and how to prioritize each of them. And then you'll be able to take home the knowledge that you obtain and then get your executive team on board for the long-term value creation that you want, or you can take that plan and the information that you've learned to go hire your replacement and your executive, like Mike talks about. The next boot camp is on April 21st and 22nd in Minnesota at Bethel University. It is $5,000 for the first ticket and half off everyone after that. So, without further ado, here's my interview with Mike Frommelt from Keystone Search
1: sponsored by Arcona's Growth and Exit Boot Camps. Two days jam-packed with material on the five growth and exit principles and the world of mergers and acquisitions. You'll walk away knowing exactly what steps to take to get your target valuation and your best exit option. Two days at Arcona's Boot Camp will give you the clarity to control the rest of your journey as an entrepreneur.
0: Mike, how are you doing? Great, Ryan. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show for way more than one reason, because uh, your background, what you do is going to be extremely exciting for a lot of people because I think this whole hiring of a president, GM, integrator, whatever name you want to call it is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and has a lot of ambiguity and scary things that are tied to it. But the, also I've, I've tried to give people on the show, honestly, for years that have specialized in this. And then I met you Wow, gosh! Like was it was in 2019, so we can say that. <laughs> and, and you just have a very unique niche that you are that you're targeting. I'm super excited because of so many values aligned from both of our companies and what we're trying to do. So let's maybe start back and you know what do you do, and then how the heck did you get into the recruiting space?
2: Sure, like a lot of people in the recruiting space, I didn't come out of school thinking that I wanted to be a headhunter. I, I sort of fell into it, and so. I've been in in recruiting uh, one way or another my whole career, which is about thirty years now. And and uh, so started with an engineering recruiting firm, and then uh, moved into an HR role where I supported and did recruiting for for technical folks on the IT side. And then ultimately went out and joined a third party recruiting company, and I was there for about seven years before I started Keystone. And uh, at Keystone, we are we recruit senior executives for privately held companies. So we exclusively work with privately held companies. And we kind of say in that small to mid market range, which is anywhere from maybe uh, 10 million in revenue to a couple hundred, 300 million in revenue, which is fairly broad, but that kind of covers the uh, the, the water in terms of those privately held companies out there. And, and, and we help those companies hire the most senior level people. So either the CEO or position reporting directly to it.
0: And then explain to the audience your, your target, because when I, like I, when we got introduced and I went to your website, I was like, oh my gosh. And then you and I had lunch and I think it lasted twice as long as it was supposed to, because of all the people that we know and kind of the, the places that we're playing, because I think it's going to resonate a lot with the audience who naturally falls into a lot of these buckets. Sure. So one of the things when, when we
2: started the business, Ryan, uh, back in 2002, I started with a, with a partner and, and he has since retired. But when we started the company, we really wanted to be better than anybody else around the cultural fit piece. And we, we took a, a process of, around core values and, and really layered that over the traditional search process. And in doing so, you know, that really led us to, to privately held companies, companies that cared about, about their culture and about you know, tying in core values into their hiring process. We did for we did that for a number of years, and and then uh, kind of start to realize where we really you know could play well and where we really enjoyed working. And we're in a couple of spaces, so we created a, a couple of specialty practices. One working with ESOPs because ESOPs are uh, very focused on on culture, making sure they get that culture fit right, and then also working with companies who are using EOS or Traction, and we we work with both of those channels on a nationwide basis. So. That's how we have kind of focused the business here in the last in the last few years. But we've always worked with those privately held companies.
0: Well, I love it because I mean, well, big you know, a big advocate for EOS and, tra- and traction, and, and also with the EOS. So yeah, you know, I think you and I talked about Jack Stack, the great game of business, and Dave Deal and small giants. And it was like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot to be to be said here. And you know, maybe I can kind of I'll tee up because I, I think we're going to be covering. Compensation cultural fit, do you have an integrator within? There's a lot of things that I think you and I can talk about that are gonna resonate with the listeners, but you know maybe before that Mike I think you know what was interesting about how we aligned and why we ended up sitting down is because like you know what we're doing with the boot camp is just to help educate people right and then i like I find it so interesting because. What I notice that entrepreneurs do is they kind of make these decisions without consciously making them. One is like, okay, if they're burnt out and they want to exit their ownership and their role, they end up going to an investment banker and saying, "I just want, to, I want to be out, right?" And then if they don't necessarily understand the way they can transition their ownership, but they are burnt out or they're tired, they probably call you because they're looking for a role replacement. So even though you know they haven't, a lot of people haven't gone through the boot camp and know that they can't they can actually exit or transition their role and ownership in separate ways you're really helping them and i think it's one of the most crucial parts to be able to create more options over the long period of time because of the fact that they're building a more healthy business with the, with the executives so maybe let's start with you know what are this as someone's thinking about this where they're at in that in that process maybe kind of give some you know, when people call you, what are the questions that they have? Like, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of the same ones. Sure.
2: Yeah. that's uh, get a lot of different types of questions, but, but there are some kind of s- some typical ones that, that, that we get. And I guess I would go back to, you know, one of the things you said in there, Ryan, that was really, I thought uh, important was, uh, you know, kind of creating that plan, right. That the, you know, sort of entrepreneurs a lot of times will you know, work for a number of years in the business. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I, I, I probably need to figure out an exit. And they haven't really thought about, you know, what what those options are. And, and because they haven't taken the time to think about that, they sort of are limiting their options in some ways, waiting for something to happen to them and, and instead of sort of planning it out. So, you know, the questions that, that that we get a lot of times in those those scenarios are, you know, hey, I'm, the, the entrepreneur will say, "I'm burned out with the day to day. I just can't do it anymore. You know, I'm not sure I want to sell the business just yet, but I, I just, I just can't, uh, can't do what I'm doing anymore." It's, or, you know, I have a family member in the business, but they're not ready to to run the business yet, and I don't. So, I don't want to sell, but at the same time, I just can't keep doing what I'm doing. Or we've had situations where you know that that entrepreneur will say, "Well, I'm ready to sell the business, and I went out there and I tried, but I got a lot of feedback that you know we need to." have a stronger management team where we need to have more of a turnkey operation because I'm too tied to the business. And so, you know, how do I handle how do I handle those kind of things? So so there's you know lots of different flavors underneath that, but those mm-hmm. are kind of the, the things that we hear over and over again.
0: So, like, when when you're sitting there, and if the listener's been in that position or sees himself looking at those kind of situations down the road, we're like, okay. I mean, and again, regardless of whether you want to or not, this is just good business, and it makes it more fun to own your own company. And I think you know the challenges that I think we're going to be able to touch on are like, how do I do this? How do I afford it? Is it a good cultural fit? First of all, like, you know, I don't want to hire someone that just destroys my culture because, I mean, just. The amount of work it takes to hire someone, go through all that, and then have it go wrong is so high (laughs) and it's painful. (laughs) I've been through it, right? You just, I mean, like next thing you know, you wake up and it's 24 months later and you have lost more money and gone through more headaches than you would have otherwise. So, where do you start? Like in this entire process, if someone says, okay, let's take, because maybe for the rest of the podcast, Mike, we can say, we're taking the third-party sale off the table right now because we don't have to talk about that because that's eventually that might happen. But we'll talk about you. Just you know, the the, the listener needs to hire someone to build the value to create more options, whether it's a needs family transition, whatever it might be. Where do you even start with this whole process?
2: Yeah, where we where we like to start, Ryan, is you know one of the other things about entrepreneurs, I think, amazing people, right? I mean, un- unbelievable some of the entrepreneurs that I've been able to work with and meet, and how smart they are and and capable they are so so the first place that i I like to start is is in making sure i understand and they understand what it is that they're really doing in the business because a lot of times you run your business 20 30 years and and there's so much you're doing in the business that you don't even realize that you're doing on a day-to-day basis and so you know sitting down and going through a process of you know looking at what is it that i really do in the business do i am i the main person that's still you know, handling customer relationships? Am I still the main person that's kind of leading our operation? Am I, what pieces of the business that if I left tomorrow really need to be filled? And that, that might sound silly, but again, when, when uh, you've been doing it for so many years and you're so good at it, you don't even really realize all the things you're doing until you kind of sit down and take inventory of that. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's where we really like to start is to make sure we understand what's missing if you step out tomorrow. And then we can start building those, those job descriptions. Sometimes that's, you know, not one person that we can say can, can do all these things. You know, there's sometimes those, those things have to be handed off to some team members that you already have today. And then maybe, you know, there are other components that you really would want in an outside president or CEO to come in and, and take some of that over. Um, but because entrepreneurs do so much and do so, do so many things well, you know, we have to kind it's of separating that and, and, uh, and get a handle on that.
0: So, um, I want to dive further into that because, um, I think there's a, some interesting dynamics here at, and I want you maybe to, maybe to, to just refresh the visionary integrator and just kind of some of these roles as we talk about them, you can kind of clarify it so we can kind of get on the same terminology. But before I even do that, Mike, I think, you know, if I'm listening to this and and I've got a business that I love, cause I, you know, just, I was just at a you know CEO member retreat and a lot of people love their business, but they need to do this, right? So this is not about putting yourself out to pasture. And I just really want to make sure people like resonate with that, especially if they're gonna go an ESOP or family transition or internal transition, they could literally go into the role that they want. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, I wanna be the chairman of the board, have less day-to-day responsibilities, have people like respect my tenure, but not need me. And then financially be able to take some chips off the table. There's like this, there's a way to get all this stuff but I think I think when you're looking at replacing yourself, depending on which route you eventually go, it's like there's the visionary integrator and are you replacing your visionary side or are you replacing your day-to-day technical side with an integrator? Because I think that if you have too much operational and you leave the the magic of the visionary aside, things can implode, which I think a lot of people will also see. So maybe kind of, I don't know if that tees up and you can kind of explain the roles and identifying what are you trying to replace.
2: Sure, sure. So, if you put it in kind of that EOS language, and we talk about the visionary and the, and the integrator, you know, the visionary is that, that person that's creating the big, big plans, the long range strategies, where are we trying to take this business? And entrepreneurs are generally really good at that. And, and they're, they're good at that continually until, you know, they get, usually will get to a point where they, they, they can kind of get stuck because they're getting pulled into things that, you know, that they're not as good at on that, on that operational side or the technical side you know, the integrator in the in the OS language is that person that's making sure those things happen, that's making sure execution is happening, making sure people are on track, making sure the metrics are being hit that are, you know, they really are kind of the glue of the company. It's holding it all together. And so when you have a, a good situation where you have both visionary and integrator, that, that visionary should have time to be spending on what they're best at and what they uniquely can do for the business. Most of the time in a small business, you're not going to have other people on the team that can do that that visioning piece and so freeing that visionary ceo entrepreneur whatever you want to call it up to be able to do those things to really look at how are we going to 5x or 10x this business is really really you know positive and and uh important to to take those next steps
0: well, and don't you think it's important too to if you think about like I mean this is where the whole you have to kind of think about the end in mind because if you're going to eventually sell to a third party, you might not have to replace the visionary side of you, right? Because some private equity firm or some strategic buyer is going to probably fulfill that role. Versus if you're going to do a, you know an, an ESOP or a family transition or something, you're going to have to replace that visionary part of you if you're the visionary. So it's not just some COO or CFO that you're trying to hire. You're going to need to someone have someone else that looks forward. So, how do you balance those kind of questions, Mike, as you're going through this and kind of bubbling to the top of what is it that we're looking for?
2: Well, there's a, there's a couple of things things in there, Ryan. I'd like to unpack a little bit. I think that the, as as I said, oftentimes that entrepreneur is really the only visionary individual in the in the organization, and so really figuring out um, when you're coming to those succession questions or or transition questions for the business, how much of that vision do we need to keep. Business moving forward. So if you are you know if the plan is to sell to a private equity firm or, or another type of buyer, they may be able to bring that vision into the organization and you may not need to, to replace that as much but you may need to be, you may need to improve your execution. you may need to bring in mm-hmm. someone that's more of that integrator. Type that can really help you improve that side because the execution side is obviously what private equity firms are looking at when, you know, again the mm-hmm. track record of growth, right? And, yeah. and so that's that's more execution. If your plan is to stay with the business and grow the business over time, if you're kind of stepping away from the, the day-to-day and, and, like you said, moving into a chairman of the board role or what have you, you can still play some of that vision, that visionary role, and um, and bring in a strong executor, uh, leader. In that integrator role or president type of role that can then move the organization forward, and you can still be providing some of that that long term vision if you want to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, so it really key. depends on the. Key. Key. I'm sorry,
0: I'm going to interrupt. If you want to, that's the point. <laughs> it's the point of having choices with this. Yeah.
2: yeah, and that's you know that's the the great thing about having your own business, right? And is that you you can make those choices. You, on what you want to do. And so some, some owners I've seen, they want to have that continual interaction and they want to be that visionary for the business and feel they can contribute that way. Others really don't want to do that anymore. And they want to just kind of step away and be um, a little bit more, you know, a chair of the board that's kind of just checking in. And so in that case, we, you know, we need to bring in a, a president or a CEO from the outside that, that is, is more visionary has more components of the visionary side to make sure that we're continuing you're continuing to grow the organization. Um, and, and, and all of this, of course, comes up against, you know, some of the things that you get involved in, you know, heavily, Ryan, in terms of, you know, establishing what is that kind of that timeline or, or, you know, do I want, if I want to step away, does that mean I want to step away for three years, five years, 10 years? You know, how long do I really want to own the business? How do I want to prepare it for, for sale? And, and so all that, again, has to be weighed against your, your you know, your general timeframe and all those things you can't, you can't necessarily set that in stone, but having a general idea of how long do you want to be in these kind of roles makes a big difference too.
0: Right. And then can you afford it? Can you not? What's the ultimate goal? Because I'll tell you what, any integrator, visionary, anything that's worth a shit is going to ask those questions. Right. So, like, you know, if you don't have this stuff pre planned, you know, someone that you really want is going to probably force you to. And you probably might end up giving up too much of your company. Maybe, and we'll, we can talk about compensation at some point, but like, you know, understanding whether you want to sell to a third party or do it in transition, it, you could do it like 10 years from now, but you just having that understanding, you know, well, let's go back to like kind of the sequence of events. Like if, if I'm sitting there going, okay, I get it. I, I do want to learn some more information here. Where do you look for these people to start with? And how do you assess the the matchmaking of this? And what are the different qualities? We'll talk about compensation in the long term after this, but I think about you know, if I'm an owner, I'm going, okay, well, I've got, hey, Mike, so here's the deal. I got a $10 million company, 70 employees. I've got some kids in the business. They're not, they're not ready yet. I've got a very technical executive, but not, you know, it doesn't have the leadership. Do I have some people inside? Do I have some people outside? You know, when and how do my kids fit in? All I know is that I don't have the right situation right now. Or like, does that make sense? I'm sure you get those yeah. kind of questions yeah. quite a bit. Yeah.
2: Yep. So so after that after that scenario of you know sitting down and figuring out what is it that uh, I'm contributing to the business and then what's going to be missing when I leave then there's the sec the second stage of that is looking at the leadership team. Okay, are there people on the leadership team that can step up and do some of those things that I'm doing today? Can they take on more? Can they can they think strategically? Can they provide some of that vision or or do we really need to go to the outside to you know to bring in a, a candidate who can who can really replace my role almost completely. And then when we do that, we're looking at, you know, one of the things I think entrepreneurs don't really understand about what they do, I, I mentioned the the visioning piece of it, but there's also a strategy and business planning piece that, that an entrepreneur does for the business. So, for example, I, I've had customers will say to me or clients have said to me, well, my CFO knows every detail of the business. I think he, <laughs> or, he or she would be a great. Successor for me because they know everything about how this business works and then they put that person into the role and it doesn't succeed because there's there's not someone who's focused on growth the way that 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 entrepreneur mm-hmm. founder was okay or, or owner and and so there's a skill set out there about of, of of how people are able to you know look at the what products and services are we providing? What products and services could we provide? Where should we expand? What are the what's the outside market look like? What will customers pay for what we're doing? What new customers can we attract, and those kinds of things? And that's really a, you can call it business planning, strategic mm-hmm. planning. That is actually a, a skill set. It's not just a mindset. And there are people out there that have done that in in other companies. They're usually trained to do that in a little bit bigger companies. And so one of the key things that we're looking for usually when we're doing a president search like this is someone who has that skill set as part of you know part of what they're bringing to
0: the table mm-hmm. um, it- there's an interesting book, Mike. Uh, Simon Sinek's new one called The Infinite Game. Um, obviously I don't think he's too aware of EOS and traction because he's on kind of a different level <laughs> in the marketplace. But he has a whole section about the visionary, as he calls it the CEO and the CFO. And he's like, they're not one, one's not better than the other, but they're absolutely mandatory. It's like the yin and the yang. Like, cause he was talking about how a lot of the public companies had um hired CFOs to replace them. And it just is cost cutting into the ground because they're they're I mean they're absolutely necessary but without the foresight they're not able to balance that so I think it's super crucial like you mentioned that is a skill set and they need to understand how to value that so how do you you know if you as you're looking at the maybe even to go back when you look at the leadership team if I if that's me and I'm going back to my old business. How do you do that without pissing off the leadership team and making them freaking out? You know what I mean? Because like even if you talk about it, right exit, lots of change in you know in this whole planning process, whether you're exiting or not exiting or bringing someone else in, people fear for their their jobs and where they're going to sit. So like, how do you how do you relay what you're doing to them? And then how do you communicate this whole situation internally as you as you guys are going about this?
2: I mean, but can I back up one one second? Yeah, Is for that sure. All right.
0: Yeah, let yeah. me let me say this about let me
2: just say this I should have said it earlier about the visionary and integrator relationship since we're putting it into that context. So the vision in my head the visionary is really it's not 100% you know visionary and 100% integrator. So so I don't think about the integrator as someone who's purely execution and the visionary as somebody who's purely dreamer. I think about them as a blend. You're kind of getting at that a little bit mm-hmm. but you know if it's you, you really can't have a strong uh, visionary integrator relationship there. If that integrator doesn't have some vision and some strategic capability um, yep. and you really can't have a, a visionary that's just totally off in the clouds all the time without being able to understand the integration side somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's 70, 30 each way that, you know, the integrators 70% execution, 30% vision and the, the is the opposite, but, but, you have to have, you know, a fairly high level individual. Yes. You have to have a pretty high level individual in that integrator role as well as, you know, as well as the visionary.
0: And it's like a marriage, right? Mike. I mean, like this is, I look at like what my partner Pat and I are, I mean, like it's, I mean, it, it takes that kind of chemistry, which I think throws a whole other dynamic, which I think we're getting to like how you you're essentially a matchmaker, right? So not only for skill sets and like the forward growth of the company, but also the fact that you get on paper you get have two people that look amazing and they absolutely hate each other. So like, right, right. Know, I mean, there's there's a lot to it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think the the question before I made you back up there would, uh, was was about how does the how do you how do you get the team prepared for this? And how, because people are you know genuinely nervous when these things are going on, and that's that's absolutely true. And they they you know they should be. I mean, this is especially if they're good, loyal employees that, you know, they should be a little bit nervous when these kind of things are happening. So um, the way that we've addressed that is, you know, like anything, what we found is that the best way to, you know, uh, to handle these situations is to be open and honest and to have a plan, Mm -hmm. right? Now you can't share everything, obviously, with employees at all levels of the organization, but when you go through some of this planning in terms of what do I do for the business, what do I think maybe my timeframes are on succession and transition, you know, Em- employees appreciate when when you can share that kind of information, right? Mm-hmm. They people want to know where are we going and how are we going to get there. That's the thing that's going to make them feel the most comfortable. And I found that sometimes CEOs or owners will, you know, they're they're sort of afraid to tell the team because they're afraid they're going to get nervous. And you know, it's like come on guys, you know, you're, you're getting to the age where everybody's, you know, if you don't fill in the information on what's happening, <laughs> you make up the worst, right? I mean, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: it's not, it's not a surprise that when you're, you know, you're 65, 65 seven or 70 minutes. years old, that you're starting to think about, you know, your transition out of the business. So, so being able to share with them that you have a plan and that you're working a plan and you don't have to, to be able to show that you have exact dates in place or names of who will take over what or whatever, but, knowing that you have a plan in place and that you're working that plan is the way to keep people on the team and keep them
0: happy and, and engaged. So, how do you start assessing the company, the culture, the roles, whether there's current leadership team that may or may not fit? And then the outside, like, how do you start? Like, what are the tactical or like mechanical ways that you're doing this? Because maybe you can kind of give the audience some, some, uh, stats. Cause I mean, you have, you've gone through, you've seen a lot, right? So like, I know from talking to you in our interaction that you, I mean, humans and these roles are like products to you, right? So you could like, in, almost instantly you could probably see it, but like, how do you take the magic of what you know, Mike and your <laughs> skill sets and make it tangible for your clients and the, the, the different situations? Sure.
2: So we uh, mentioned before that we spend time with the with the owner and really get get clear on on where they want to go, what their plan is, and what they're contributing to the business. Then it's about spending time with the the leadership team members and and really looking at you know what function of the business are they leading and and then you know are they capable? Looking at their capabilities against of the size of the business where it is today and and the size of the business where you want to go um so you know in that finance function in that operations function that sales function marketing function really understanding kind of what are they bringing to the table a lot of times we'll be fine again to put it back into some of the eos languages that the 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 owner entrepreneur is really taking partial accountability for some of the functions maybe they're they've got a person who's leading sales but really they're kind of accountable for sales the owners kind of accountable for sales or same in operations or in finance and really getting a, a solid understanding on who's truly got accountability for what's going on in that piece of the business mm-hmm. um, now through our experience and I've been doing this long enough that I've kind of gotten to the point where I know sort of what the uh, the skill sets are for a you know a 10 million dollar business CFO versus a 25 million dollar business CFO versus a 100 million dollar business CFO and so we can kind of plot, you know, where those, where those skill sets come in and, and, um, you know, sort of look at that potential. Can they take on more or not? So, you know, there's, there's not a, there's not a silver bullet here, It's not a magic answer, but it's about spending time with the team and really putting that against where does the owner really want to take the business? What's the plan for the business? And then can the team, can the team get us there? And again, what we often find is that it's not necessarily one, one thing. It might be that, uh, certain people on the team can step up and take on certain pieces and we still have to go out and get a president to you know to fill in the rest but we're always doing it with that future look you know i don't i don't think i've met an owner who says you know they want to do this and says but but i also just want to stay where we are right that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense so if we're 20 million today we want to be you know by the time i do sell i want to be 30 or 40 it's not that i want to just tread water for the next
0: Well, in in that exact specific situation, too, Mike, which makes a bunch of sense, right? Because people want to keep growing, whether no matter what's going to happen, they want whether it's their legacy or they're part of it, chairman doesn't matter. They they want that, right? So, one challenge that we had, and that I've seen our clients go through, is people hire from the down up. So, if you're a twenty million dollar company, you hire someone that is either internally that's never ran a twenty million dollar company, and or has never seen a fifty million dollar company. So, one can't remember who I like if it was a book or where it came from, but it's like, always hire down. Right. Did I say that right? So like, if you have a $50 million company, I want to hire, if I got a $20 million company, I should have hired you. Cause you've already been there. You've already seen it. You get right. it. But so many times if you're to your internal team, they've never been where you're trying to go. So how, like, I mean, is what are the chances of actually hiring from within? And then how do you, how do you avoid, or how do you, how do you deal with that situation?
2: yeah i mean there's there are certainly times where you can hire within and i i'm a big believer that when you can when you realistically can that you should because if it's because you're going to be able to know that person fits your culture and your core values better Mm -hmm. than it but but what i see more often than not is that the the mistake will be made in hiring from within assuming that the person can take on more assuming that they know you know what 50 million looks like and that's not always the case um like you said if they've spent their whole career in a sub $20 million a year company, it's, it's unlikely that they know what kind of uh, infrastructure and you know, scale it takes to run a $50 million a year company. And there are people that have that capability. There are people that are smart enough to be able to do that and kind of pick it up along the way. But I don't see that real often. And so mm. more often, I'll see a mistake being made hiring somebody internal um, for the Assuming.
0: right reason. But, yeah, I'm assuming, assuming, I'm assuming, but for the right reasons, and that they they do fit the core values in the culture. But I'm assuming there's like you know if they were, if if you actually were conscious of this, so you could like send them to a peer group like Vistage or you know something local or EO or whatever it might be, and or go throw them to an MBA. I mean, there's things that you could do to backfill their knowledge and give them mentors. I mean, if you knew it, right, and versus just assuming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that, but that requires that you, you you know that these people are someone that you want to develop and you think you can develop in advance of your transition, right? And that, mm-hmm. that again, another mistake that we see is sometimes that founder-owner doesn't think of these things until it's time to make the transition, right? Until they're so frustrated that they can't deal with it anymore or, or something happens physically or health issue or what have you. And then all of a sudden, we're in a place where we have to move quickly, so, you know, thinking further out, which is really what I appreciate about uh, your boot camp, Brian, and what you're doing is that helping owners think further out about, about these issues and who do we really have on the team that can, you know, can step up and do more and get them into groups like Vistage and other peer roundtable groups and get them some outside training and, and those kind of things and have the time to, to see are they really going to be able to adapt to that or not is, is a big piece of this. So again, it kind of comes back to planning.
0: How many times have you seen someone try and just come to you in a last ditch because they're so burnt out and they're just like, oh, come on, Mike, just validate my uh, senior leadership team that they can do it just because they, didn't, <laughs> they just want to be done. <laughs> and or like just to, you know, f- to validate some candidate that they've got there because they're not willing to do the hard work. Quite often, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's unfold. What happens when that happens?
2: <laughs> well... Unfortunately, what happens when that happens is that generally we're going to, the recommendation is going to come back that this person probably isn't ready or that you probably don't have somebody ready on the team. Now, I I will say that, you know, I'm I'm a search firm, so it may be just slightly biased that when they come you know the, the people who come to me are ones that are a little more desperate than the others <laughs> because that because you know what we're known to do is to go out and find people from the outside so so the planners maybe aren't always coming to me but but a good portion of the ones that i see are are the ones that don't have a very good plan
0: or that someone that did they try to do it themselves
2: and then they come back <laughs> yes yes we have seen that as well where where um you know they 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 did uh, try for a period of years to to move someone from the inside. And it was something that just they just realized that this person just didn't have the, you know, what it took to really step
0: up to that next level mm-hmm. and, and then come to us at that point, too. So let's say that we, you know, that you've like, I'm just kind of going through the mental journey of getting someone like, okay, I get it. I know I need to like go down this route. There's some assessment going on for internal, you know, may or may not happen. But let, let's say, okay, the third party or the third outside um parties that I need to get involved are kind of the route. I want to maybe I'll tee it up and then I want you to kind of go through the mental obstacles that these people are going to have that these owners deal with as they go through this process. Mm-hmm. Um but like you know maybe I'll just address the financial side because I think we spend a lot of time there is knowing that they're gonna have to hire someone, right? This might, this is gonna be a, a nice hefty six figure salary. And just kind of because it's the motto of our boot camp is quit thinking about annual profit over long-term value creation, right? Like I've had people on the private equity firms or family offices that say like, if they don't have a good executive team, there is no deal. It's not just a multiple expansion. It's just, there is no deal because there's no one there. So like, if you're gonna hire someone it's gonna impact your income, potentially out of distributions or whatever it is, but it's gonna create a more valuable company long-term. So I think if we can just set the stage that like, that's how someone that's listening has to think about this. And if if they're struggling for income and to hire another you know hundred two hundred thousand dollar salary on it breaks the entire equation that might be something they need to address right off the bat right I mean so maybe you can give your notes on that and then as someone's going through this what are challenges that you've seen when that's maybe not been addressed up front
2: so if I'm understanding your question, I want to make sure I understand your question Ryan if if they're if the numbers the in the business aren't such if the numbers in the business aren't such if they can afford to do it what's the best the best approach
0: at that point or it's good no, thank you for clarifying it's it's knowing that this is kind of the a situation that's there so like they have to grow to be able to afford to do this one so let's just assume that like if they haven't addressed this or gotten the numbers clear cleared up that they need to do that but then let, maybe let's go to the mindset that people are thinking about because uh when i'm just thinking about this one uh situation at lunch that you were telling me about, about someone that was in the specific industry up north. And then they were like, Oh, wait, I can just pull off a distribution. You know, you were kind of talking about like how they had shifted their mindset about just going through this. And so knowing that that's a hurdle, maybe kind of just explain some other situations you've had about people as they've kind of gone through that mental shift. Sure. Okay. So, um, yes, yes. Um, you know, I like to put to pose
2: this with, with, owners that I'm meeting with is to start talking about what are the opportunity costs, right? So a lot of times and when you're looking at, you know, bringing in someone to replace yourself or coming in as a, as a president in the organization, it's going to be, it's going to be more than you've ever paid for anybody in the company before. Um, <laughs> and that can be, and that can be really scary. Right. And, and, um, sometimes it's even, you know, have had situations where, you know, they say, it's more, say, you know, I would say it's more than I'm paying myself, right? <laughs> um, but, but of course, that you know, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't include the profit that's coming out of the business. Uh, might be more than they're paying themselves. <laughs> well,
0: on very, very specifically
2: ignored <laughs> in that situation, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so, you know, kind of getting ahead around the idea that, you know, this is, it's about the opportunity cost. So, you know, a, a high-level individual that can come in and can grow your business and can build value in your business, what is that worth? And of course, this would be someone that will be paid more than others that you have in the business because those people aren't the ones that are creating additional value in the business. And so, it comes back to to what you're working with owners on, right? In terms of looking at looking at value and not looking at compensation, not looking at how much you might take the business every year, but building building that value in the business. And so, really have to look at a high level individual bringing them in at president or CEO or whatever it may be in that value equation. Yes, I'm paying more for this on a yearly basis, but the return should be in the millions, not in the thousands. And, <laughs> <Bingo>. <laughs> um, and, and just getting there, getting that mindset
0: around looking at it that way. So, which I think is just huge. Cause I remember when we were looking and you're just like, holy crap, like, you know we're making that and again it's taking that it, we're making the same amount but if you take and decouple your compensation from distributions and ownership right like the value creation when the like on the the value of the business should be huge compared to just the annual profits that you're avoiding and so when you're looking at this you, where do you search mean i don't know if you can if you're comfortable sharing some numbers of how many people you've placed or looked in how many interviews you've done because again i think it puts some serious It's you're quantifying your experience here, and then like, where do you go find these people? And like, are you are you going to public companies? Going to other other privately held companies? Like, how does this even happen when you're out looking in the in the outside marketplace? Sure.
2: So, I'm glad to share the numbers with you that I can. I I, you know we've uh, we've done over over my career, I've done hundreds, probably into the thousands of, of successful searches. I tried to figure out how many interviews I've done in my career. I, I tried to figure this out a year ago. <laughs> Good I, luck, right? I came somewhere around the 12,000 number, oh. um, <laughs> which I don't know if I'm proud of that or I'm not proud of that, but but it, <laughs> it's a lot, let's put it that way. But as far as where do we go to find these individuals, it is a little bit, you know, it depends on, on the, the company, the size of the organization, what the goals are for, for the owner, um, what the transition plans are and so forth. But but some general rules of thumb is that, going back to what we talked about before, we want to bring in somebody that has seen where you want to go. So if you're a $20 million a year company and your goal is to be a $50 million a year company, we want to bring in somebody that knows what $50 million looks like. So they're coming, they've at least spent a, a portion of their career in a larger company than you are. Now there's some, you know, there's, there's some limits to that. I mean, it certainly, was, you know, for someone that's coming coming into a twenty million dollar company, we don't want to necessarily bring in somebody that spent their whole career in the three billion dollar company, because there's there's some things that come with spending your your career in a huge company your whole life that that uh, you know could be a negative coming into a smaller organization, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. So we're generally what we're looking for there is we're looking for someone that understands where you want to go. And it's probably been successful in some bigger companies and some other mid-sized companies that they've proven in their career that maybe they started at the Fortune five hundred company, got some good training there, spent ten years there, then went into a mid-sized privately held company and had good success there. And now they're looking for their third or fourth gig in their career and they want to they want to take that ride again. They want to help take a company from twenty to fifty, because that was fun for them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of some general things that we're looking for. But then, you know, underneath that, obviously, the industry matters. The, the you know, the, the core values of the individual matter a ton. There are a lot of other things that we're looking at there for that individual right fit.
0: Well, and I think what's interesting is like, you know, for the owners that have, you know, the founders that have done this for decades, they're not used to seeing these type of people all day long. Right. And what's actually, you know, they might have a neighbor or someone in their peer groups or trade association We're like that person, I could see that person taking over. Right. But it's very finite. It's not the whole world of a marketplace. I mean, you're like, it's like Zillow for you, right. You're like looking at people understanding how and where they can fit. So like, what are the biggest misnomers that entrepreneurs have? about this hiring a, a president or whatever, you know, the title that you usually, that you want to debunk right now, because you probably get a lot of the same stuff, whether I needed I need them to be in my industry. I need them to be in this pay or what, you know, like this kind of cap, like whatever it is, what are some of the biggest things that you think people should start breaking through in their own mind for the myth? So that way they can open up to this world.
2: Yeah. I think uh, there's a there's a perception out there sometimes that everybody that works in bigger companies is um, has you know five admins and and uh,
1: <laughs> um, yeah. doesn't
2: really do anything for themselves and has support all around them and and that that is true in some larger companies but it's definitely not true in other larger organizations and so you know that fear uh, you know just general fear of somebody coming from a bigger company I think is is a, is an issue industry experience can be one that you know everybody no matter what industry you're in, you feel like your industry is so unique that nobody could ever learn it. And there are <laughs> there are things about each industry that are, are unique and, and individual. But when we're looking at high level leadership type candidates, we're looking at people who are also very intelligent. And so will it take them a few months to get up to speed on the industry? Yes. But I, I would trade that every day for someone who's got the right Mental agility, the right intelligence, the you know the right leadership skills, and the right core values. I'd I'd live with a few extra months of them learning the industry, rather than trying to to find somebody that comes in, hitting the ground running on the industry. Those are those are two of the biggest mm-hmm. that that we deal with all the time, and and um, and sometimes it's hard for owners to really understand kind of what we're talking about there until we bring some candidates to them and they can see it
0: and yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, really get in front of a live person and, and see that ability, that mental agility and how they could come in and learn and how the industry they're coming from is similar in a lot of ways to the industry that they're in.
0: So are you seeing uh, on this note too of like people just thinking that they're going to need to give a chunk of their company away or like, how have you, cause I, I don't want to get too much down my rabbit hole of like structures of all this stuff could work. Um, but like, what do you see that works well and what doesn't work well when this happens? Right. Cause it's not just the hefty six figure salary. I'm assuming these people, because they're bright people and they know that they're going to be future value growth to the table. How, what kind of different situations have you seen? Yeah.
2: Well, when you start thinking about your company in terms of growing value instead of the compensation, you know, you, you, this, this becomes easier. What, what, the, right. what, those, what those candidates, what those individuals, the president candidates and so forth are looking for is they're looking for if they create value for you, they want a piece of that value. They want a percentage of that value. So the types of plans that that I recommend are generally going to be more deferred compensation kind of plans, not real equity. There are some exceptions to that. If you're if you're planning to sell your company, if you have a defined time frame that we're going to sell this company in two years or three years, and we know that's what we're going to do, sometimes real equity might be the way to go. But for the most part, um, 90% of the cases that I work on, anyway, that it's it's going to be a fan like a phantom type of stock or a stock appreciation rights plan that says you know in essence if you come in and and run this company for the next five years and we go from 20 million top line and x bottom line to 40 million top line and y bottom line we're going to set aside a certain amount of you know percentage of the cash of that uh delta mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the growth so in that way, they're not the, the, and that's, I found is a lot easier for the entrepreneurs and the founder under owners to understand because they're not giving you equity on the things that the owner already built. Right. If you're already a $20 million a year company, you shouldn't be bringing somebody in from the outside and giving them equity on what you built. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you only want to give them a piece of the pie on what they build. Yeah. And, you know, so building the plans that way. Um also builds in a a failsafe that if if they come in and they don't grow the business, there's nothing going up. you know there's no there's no payment mm-hmm. whereas whereas real equity has to be unwound when,
0: um, yeah, yeah, gross. <laughs> <doesn't work. laughs> well, and I think you bring up a, a couple of good points because it you have to understand you have to shift your mind set towards valuation and value growth, right? I mean, even if you're tracking, you got to have good data and all the stuff that you have to have set up ahead of time before this can actually be legit because someone's got to be able to trust how you're valuing it. And then again, you can tie these comp plans that you're talking to, to a triggering event, whether it is an ESOP or whether it is a private equity or third party, you can tie it to that and above and beyond evaluation. So it's not just top and bottom line too. And I think, you know, I don't know what, I mean, I think one note for the listeners too, is you can do the same stuff for internal Executives, right? So you should be able to treat them the same way if you do it right with the right expectations, right? I mean, you should be able to do all the same stuff instead of you know, treating them differently, which I do see a lot. Yeah,
2: and actually, that that happens most often, Ryan, is that when we we place a, a new president or a new CEO or whatever it is that we may be making a suggestion to them that this is the time to put in that long term compensation, that deferred compensation plan. But don't just put it in for that president put it in for your leadership team now mm-hmm. because if you're stepping out of the business it's it's not wholly incumbent upon that president to to take the company to the next level they they're going to need help as well and so uh, putting that plan across the, you know across the leadership team with different triggers and different percentages and so forth the way those the, those can be built with, with a lot of different triggers in them but but building it for the whole team a whole leadership team at least makes it's a ton of sense yeah, because yeah, really you understand. want to incentivize all of them to grow the business while you are doing what you want to do, whether you're becoming the chair of the board or you're or you're uh, on a beach somewhere.
0: So as you like, because I want to make sure, make sure I, I want to put a pin in this because I want to make sure we go back and talk about the cultural fit versus the skill set and how to weigh those two when you're hiring a third party uh, outside outsider. But before we do that, I just had a, a random uh, thought that I was curious if you've had, if you dealt with a go back to like my situation where like, so there was my dad and me, right? And like, I was probably a little bit different because I was I, I was forced and kind of like, I ended up running a lot of the operations in day-to-day um, when I was in my mid-20s where there might be some some families where they the, ki- the kids are not capable just yet or haven't had the right, you know, I, I, mine was just a battle. So I learned the hard way. <laughs> but it was like, maybe there's some kids where there's like, okay, parents want to step down kids are not ready, but we have like this three year, three, four year window where we don't want to give the, give the company away. We want to be able to bring someone in and not piss off the kids. Right. And like, right. And, and like threaten them. Cause I remember at one point my dad wasn't going to do this. And I was like, absolutely. not, Cause it just was totally threatening to me. Right, I was like, okay, well, this person's going to come in, take, redo. I'm gonna just a just a whole like political nuclear bomb for me. So how do you like now? Now, knowing what I know, there's probably a way. Which you're probably gonna shit some light on. I'm like, okay, if you have a three-year window to groom the next gen of the family to then take over the president role or something like that, have you worked in structures like that? And maybe tell a story to the listeners that they can not be so anxious because it's possible
2: <laughs> sure yeah we I, we have worked in situations like that and and uh again it's you know different uh, a little bit different for every situation and, and has to be kind of custom built for each each you know company that we've done this for but um i'll go back to what i said earlier it's, the first step is really understanding so when um if it's mom or dad that's stepping out we want to make absolutely sure that we know what they were contributing to the business and then we want to understand what son or daughter, um, or sons and daughters are, are, where their skill sets are today. What things are they good at? What things do they still need development around? And then we're going to tailor that, you know, that the profile, that person that we're bringing in from the outside to help do that. So, so we're going to create a, a, you know, position profile that says we're going to bring in a president that will help Ryan or whoever this is that you know needs three more years of development in you know sales strategy or business planning or whatever it is and we're going to look specifically for for a candidate that brings that to the table mm. and then we're going to create you know really it becomes kind of then comes down to sort of a performance appraisal piece that you know on the front end we're telling the these candidate president candidates that one of the big things of your job over the next three years is that you need to to help ryan develop into this and mm. plan here is that we would like to keep the, the business in the family and, and so one of your things you're going to be measured on over the next three years is how well you're developing son or daughter to be prepared for this three years from now.
0: Isn't so cool. Like, I mean, it just showing that it is possible, right? Like, I mean, I think so many times, you know, that I'm, I personally know a couple uh, people from college that have family businesses, big family businesses, and they didn't do this, Mike. And so they're, they're about to sell the company. I'm going to watch generational wealth just get dissipated through taxes and all this other shit because they didn't do this hard work. It's just such a shame. I mean, it's like the kids could have taken it off. They're probably, they're not capable because you know, the, the people that I know they were salespeople, right? So they're dealing with huge books of businesses, making lots of money, but they're not capable of doing the executive stuff. And so it's like, they're just, so the parents are burnt out and they're going to go sell it when they don't have to. And they just have no idea that this is an option. Right.
2: Right. And and building then then building those packages, the uh, you know, the long term comp piece that we were talking about to reflect that as well. So if if you succeed in in three years and preparing son to run the company, this is what, you know, you're we know you're gonna have to then be out looking for another job or maybe you're you're ready to retire. So but if you're successful in doing so, we're gonna give you a you know, a a chunk of the a a piece of the pie uh, for what you've created while you're here for that three years and getting us toward our goal. And so those, you know, putting those, those carrots in there for, for them
0: to do then what you want them to do. Well, and, and what think about it, Mike, when you, with you, what you and I now know, because from you coming through the boot camp, like in that situation, the owner who then has some time to think for probably the first time in a while can say, Hey, maybe we could figure out some sort of financing package for the, the second generation or third generation, or we could march towards an ESOP as we build the management team, then do an ESOP where that president that you hired might have some sort of phantom stock plan to get part of the ESOP along with the whole family and or package it up to sell to a private equity firm where next generation will be able to then use someone else's money to take it to the next one. I mean, so many options (laughs) if you build out the management team correctly to do the things that you want to. It just like it takes work to think about it.
2: Yeah. The amazing thing is that when you when you do the planning and when you do you do the hard work of you know as I said kind of evaluating where you are where you want to go uh, putting a plan together all of a sudden other options open up right so mm, let's just yeah. say maybe in, <laughs> maybe in three years Sun isn't ready but then you have you have a, a better performing company that's more attractive to outside buyers. And so maybe at that point, son says, I don't want the business anymore, I, let's sell it. Or, or I wanna be part of an ESOP, let's sell it to an ESOP and I'll continue to work in my role and maybe I become the, the CEO of the ESOP down the, down the road. So, you know, options. I always look at this as the more, <laughs> the more planning you can do, the more options you're gonna have when that time comes. And um, the more options,
0: the better, right? So then, it, it totally agree, obviously. <laughs> and, but uh, you know, when you think about, so if I'm sitting there and I'm trying to replace myself and I've got third-party candidates from you and I've got some kick-ass people on paper, right? Like done this, ran an $80 million PL, turned this around, did that, MBA up, big, downsized companies, you, you name it. How do you assess what's on paper and the excitement that probably the owners have of, like, trying to replace themselves, and they could probably see for the first time, like, it's possible to back out, back away from the day to day. How do you balance that excitement of the skill set with the core values and culture and things that are going to have to be there? Because there's going to be an X and Y axis graph that has got the pros and cons of both sides.
2: Yeah, as it, you know, you're alluding to it here already, there's a lot of. Talented people out there, certainly, that can do what you want to do. The, the important thing is, oh, are they going to get there the way you want them to get there? <laughs> <laughs> how, much, how many dead bodies are they going to leave in, the, in their way? Right? And, and so, yeah. you know, our approach on that is that we want to tie in the core values and the culture piece right from the beginning. I, you know, I wish I could tell you it's an exact science. It's, it's still part art, part science. But the way that we try to make it more scientific is that we really look at the core values of the of the first of all the owner of the business because that owner of the business is the one who is ultimately rewarding tolerating punishing behaviors on a day-to-day basis uh, if they're active in the business so what are their core values and usually what's what we see is their their core values kind of dictate a, a big chunk of the culture because if people don't aren't doing basically aren't doing what the owner wants done they're not generally going to stick around Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how we look at, uh, we get a big piece of it. The other part of it comes, the rest of it we believe comes from the leadership team that you have in place. Sometimes on your leadership team, you can have an individual that's been there for whatever reason for a long time that maybe does have a different set of core values that, you know, that that's sort of disconnected from the rest of the organization. And we need to really understand what are the core values of that individual and Maybe this is why you've always had a problem with your sales, your sales piece of the business or your operations piece of the business or whatever because you have a, someone who's not aligned around your core values in, in, on your leadership team. So we want to make sure we, we understand that and then get everybody kind of coalesced around what is that core values profile we're looking for in this, these outside candidates. Mm-hmm. we we have a, a tool that we use there that helps us but it's not the tool that gets us there 100% it's really in the in the discussions and and tying into our interview process we also use that tool then when we're when we're interviewing candidates and doing screening interviews to really get to the individual's core values and it doesn't come down again to a scientific 80% match or 90% match but what we do find is that we're looking for those red flags red flag areas Mm-hmm. I, I grew a business by X amount, but I did it by burning out my employees and you know scorched earth policy. Versus, I got you know I grew the double the organization by bringing in the team and getting them working together and collaborating and those kind of things. And and so that's that's how we do it. We tie, tie it tied into our screening process as well as when we present candidates then to our clients. They're going to be interviewing. We're going to be sitting in on those interviews. We help them write questions around their core values. We make sure that as they're interviewing those candidates, they're, they're asking the core values questions along with the skill set questions.
0: Well, in, in this specific skill set that you guys have in this is like, I think in, I don't know where this, is, it, it, it's like, if you understand the technical stuff that you need, then you can like, I don't know how I'm, if I'm going to articulate this right way is like, then you can ignore it and then focus on this person that's sitting in front of you. Right. Cause like we've already validated, you know, the comp plan, you know, all the stuff that we've talked about thus far. Right. And say, like, okay, we've got all this. How is Mike as an individual? Does he tell the truth? Does he not tell the truth? How did he do it? Like, and like, I mean, that's the hard part. Right. Is like, cause like if you're trying to figure out all the technical stuff while you're looking at the person, you're going to miss all those red flags. And like, it, and I think it's having those two things in balance that's unbelievably important because the more you can focus on the person and like, I mean, people lie <laughs> I'm like you know, a lot, right? You've probably got some interesting yep. stories. Yep. And I mean, it's the same thing with any buyer of your business. I mean, like the technical stuff, if you don't understand it, you're going to get taken advantage of because you're not able to trust your gut of the person that's sitting across from you.
2: Yeah. You know, a, a, a bit of a plug here. I can't help a little bit. But I mean, that, you know, the technical stuff, by the time we, if you're working with someone like us, you know that piece should be covered. We should be, you know, the people that we would put in front of you would all have the technical piece and hopefully they have their pretty darn good fit on the core values fit piece as well. So Mm -hmm. that the clients can then, you know, our clients can focus on that that side of the equation a little bit more. When you're conducting a search on your own and you haven't ever hired a president before, um, you do have to wade through and figure out, you know, what what does a president do? What you know, what other skill so What are the technical skill sets we're looking for? And and you know, be good on that side of the equation in your interviews as well as the core values piece. And and you also have to be able to go out there and attract these these presidents away from where they are today. And you have mm-hmm. to be able to tell us tell a coherent story of, on where you're trying to take your business and attract them in. And that's something that most small companies mid-sized companies don't have the capability inside to you know to reach out to 200 people and tell the
0: story 200 times like we oh my do gosh, so, right and be not be so exhausted not doing it
2: because they say there there are definitely people out there that that are looking for these kind of opportunities but they're not just walking around you know they're not not just out there wandering mm-hmm. around for a job they're they're generally successful somewhere else and there's something unique about your company
0: that would really excite them but but they're not reaching out to you, you know. So in that situation, Mike, if I, it, which I think you bring up a really good point, is what can people do, and what are the different features and benefits? I mean, for the lack of a better term, of a company that these high demand presidents and integrators are going to want. So, like, what can someone do before they, before they? Obviously, as you, you're probably going to help them, but there's probably things that they can do before they hire you, right? Like, okay, like focus on the business for like website, what website or financials or like, so what are the things that you see that these people that you're reaching out to, they're like, not a fit, not going to do it, totally discredits the company. Mm
2: -hmm. So, um, having your stuff together is really important. So, um, Going back to what I said earlier about, you know, when we're going after candidates, we're looking for that person who's worked in a company or working in a company that is where you want to go, that's bigger than you are, that knows what that looks like. There are, are, there are a good number of people out there who get really excited by that. I'd love to take that ride from 20 to 50 again. That was when it was really fun. That's when things were moving fast and we were doing, you know, and, they, mm-hmm, and they love mm-hmm. that. there are a whole lot of other candidates out there that don't like that. And so that's part of, it. we got to weed through that. But one of the things that they're um, they're going to be looking at really closely is because they are working for another organization that they're they're doing well at. They're going to look and say, does this does this owner have their stuff together? Do they have a plan? Do they know where they want to go? Does my skill sets, if I come in here and add that to the mix, can that help us go from twenty to fifty, or am I going to have to be dealing with an, an owner that's you know flying off the handle every day and kind of crazy and 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 you know doesn't have an idea on where where the business needs to go, and 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 they can bring some of that to the table too. I mean, they can bring that business planning to the table, but they have to know that the owner wants to go there, is capitalized well enough to go there. You know, they'll look at it from a standpoint of if we plug my skill set in here, can we really make that ride? And so I love that. That's a great. So if there isn't sort of at least a basic plan in place that says this is you know. Here's what, here's what our team is capable of. Here's where we think the holes are. You know, here's what we're looking for to fill those holes. Um, if that stuff isn't there and it's just kind of like, well, we want to go to 50 just because, <laughs> it, it, it you know, that, that right. candidate's going to say, this isn't realistic,
0: you know? You know what I just absolutely love about that whole phrase that you just said, Mike, is regardless of what you want to do, that's what you need to do with your company. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. cause if it's a buyer, they're going to do it. They're going to like, you could replace president with buyer in that exact same, that whole comment that you just made or anybody, a banker or financier or a, or vendor. Or, I mean, it's literally just, if you have the idea of how you're going to get and grow and grow value and have a sustainable company, and then you can show everybody else, they're going to trust more of what you believe. I mean, like you're just so, you're so spot on. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons
2: I really like EOS because when I um, am working with an EOS company, and I can uh, not not every other president in the world knows what EOS is, but when I can tell them that the company has a VTO, has a three-year plan, uh, three-year target, ten-year target, they they know what their profitability is. They you know they have those those things in place. Gives them a lot more confidence that this this, these guys have their stuff in order, and Mm. and, um, I'll, I'll come in and take a look. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that allows me to attract a lot stronger candidate to the, to the organization than when they say something that's haphazard.
0: Yeah. And that any kind of, to tie it all together is it's, it's you're re- investing in the business for value creation down the long term. I mean, it's, it, you will get your money back and you just have to, fo- you know, forego some profits today to do that kind of stuff. Right. So as we're, as we're wrapping up here, Mike, so what, you know, if there's someone that's thinking about this, I mean, there's a lot of good takeaways throughout this last uh, hour, but like, you know, what is the one thing that someone can take away and say, okay, this is how I can explore this or start to get to an understanding of what this, what this process looks like? What what do you think should be the first thing that they should do? Besides just reach out to you, which we'll give you the content. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, I think it's really just, you know, really to start thinking about what do I... What do i really want for my business and what i really want for myself so it ties into really what uh, a lot of what you do ryan is to really start thinking about those things because we really shouldn't be talking about you know people in seats presidents ceos cfos anything until you know what you want to do with the business and when you start to get your hands arms around here's what i want for the business here's what i want for myself again it doesn't have to be it's going to be three years or five years but just just getting some general parameters around here. Think one. about it, right? Yeah, just, here, just think about it, right? And then and then from there, just having those conversations. Okay, I think this might be some things I want to consider. Maybe I want to consider an exit to an ESOP. Maybe I want to consider staying in as chairman of the board. Maybe I want to, you know, there's a lot of options there that uh, that they can go through um, that will lead them then to, okay, here's, you. Here's, what we, here's what we need to do on the people's side. You know, we so, need to get... We we need to find someone inside. We need to train someone. We need to, you know, find someone on the outside. Those are all secondary questions to what are we doing
0: business. They kind of calibrate into that final goal of what you when we talk about the point B. Like how are you? What what are the different tools and the different you know strategies that you need to implement? And it should calibrate itself and make a little bit more sense. So, Mike, what is the best way to get in touch with you, your firm, if people want to know more about you and uh, how to uh, how to go down this journey?
2: Sure. So, people that want to get in touch with us, we're at www.keystonesearch.com. They can look at our website. You can also reach out to to us directly at six one two three seven five eighty nine hundred. And you know, I'm glad to talk, and my team is glad to talk to any any owners or anyone that's thinking this this through in terms of a transition or uh, their you know their talent or their team. Or you know, it's not always to you know we we do. Few things here. We do executive level searches. We get hired, obviously, to go find somebody on the outside that can come in and, and do what you need done. We also do evaluations of integrators. So, if, if you think you might have an integrator inside, we can provide an evaluation um, to tell you whether uh, that person is capable or not. And then we do evaluations of teams as well uh, to tell you, you know, give you a sense on is there someone in, on the team that can step up and take take over some larger roles. But the answer isn't always in those three things. And, and I'm always glad to talk with, with owners and just talk talk through with them what they're thinking they want to do with their business. And, and a lot of times, that's, it doesn't include our services. So I'm, a, I'm always glad to have those conversations.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on and having the conversations with me and the, the listeners because I this is a, a conversation and an interview I wish I would have been able to listen to eight years ago when <laughs> they changed our trajectory. So appreciate you coming on the show, Mike. Thanks, Ryan. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I hope that episode gave you a ton of actionable takeaways about how to view replacing yourself and things that you need to be thinking about right now before you make any big decisions. I don't think I could have articulated the big takeaways better than Mike did towards the end there, which is by learning what you want, understanding how to build a valuable business with the end in mind will allow you not only to maybe replace yourself from someone internally, someone externally hire your executive, build a more valuable company and be ready to transfer your role, but also be ready for any out of the blue offer, increase the value of the company so that no matter what you have choices, 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 choices equals freedom. So if you want to know more about the bootcamp, check out our website at arcona.io. The two day bootcamp agenda is on there. Happy to have a conversation with anybody. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Otherwise my email is rtansom.com at arcona.io. Happy to tell you what the bootcamp is like and what you're going to walk away with. With that being said, I will see you next week.